Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning on this Memorial Day weekend. If you don't mind, let's just take a moment to pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you love us, uh, that you care for us. We thank you that you are life and that you are the living water. And so we ask you that you would flush away any fears that we may have. And we pray now that you would flow into us and then flow through us so that the world may know you through us in our witness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Again, it is good to be with you here uh, on this Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we acknowledge that we are blessed to be in a country uh, where God allows us the freedom, the privilege to be able to worship him in spirit and in truth. And uh, amen. And so uh, as you have been going through the past month, as Pastor Tim mentioned, you've been talking about love. And so we uh, finished today talking about love and we talk about it in the terms of service and sacrifice, service and sacrifice. And grateful for the many people who have been in the military who gave the ultimate by willing and almost dying, not, not almost dying, but dying for our behalf. And so we honor them, and we also honor those who are there, as we saw, family members and friends who find it very difficult on this weekend uh, to be able to rejoice and to go out and have those celebrations, and so we keep them in prayer. One of the ways to be able to uh, know what is on the heart of God is to be able to read in the Bible, but even also read the times he is focusing on a particular issue, because in that way, begins to reveal what he values. And so whenever we can see things that might be repeated, it, help, it gives us an indication that this is important to God. And one of the areas that God is very concerned about is the, the, is the issue of serving. It is the issue of serving. And so even though it's not on your prompt, it won't be on the prompt, but in Isaiah 42, he says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen delight that I lift up. God was talking about his son as a servant. And he acknowledged him because of the willingness of his son to be, to be willing to serve, and not just simply to serve, but willing to place his life on the line and be willing to die for us so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And so when we consider this, Jesus' life was on a mission, and the completion of this mission left for us a legacy. And that legacy was that of serving and sacrifice. The world just needs more servant leaders. The world needs more servant leaders. Dr. King once said it this way, the most urgent and most persistent question is this, what are we doing for others? What are we doing for others? And so Jesus answered this question emphatically as we look at his life and how we see that he was willing to go to the cross and lay down his life in order that we might save, in order that we might know what real living is truly all about. And so a life of service and sacrifice requires for servant leaders to embrace various things. First of all, it requires that we embrace that significance is a, dri is a driving force in a servant leader's life. Significance is a driving force in a servant leader's life. Because there is a difference between success and significance. Because success is the idea that people may accomplish some things, acquire some things in their own personal life, but not necessarily make any sort of connection with others. Significance says that I'm going to affect and add value to your life. 
Significance recognizes that we don't live for ourselves. In fact, it recognizes that other people, even people that we may not know, are important to God. And oftentimes, we don't see those people that we will make an impact in their life. And yet, that doesn't necessarily take away from the fact that God calls us to be able to make that difference. Years ago, I, was, I went into a, a, a naval cafeteria while I was serving, and after I sat down, I noticed that there was this, there were these lights focused on this section, on this table, toward the front of the cafeteria. After I got up, I walked close, and there it was a, it was a one, it was a beautiful table. Uh, it was a, a, a blue tablecloth on top of it. There were four places because there were four chairs lined up around the table, and each, at each chair, there was a placemat, there was a plate, there was silverware, there was a glass, and there in the middle, there was this uh, a flower arrangement. And what I realized, and even someone shared was this, is that that table was a reminder that someone died in order for me able to be able to benefit what I was experiencing right then. That that table was reminding us that we needed to remember and honor those people who laid down their life, even though I never knew them, but I was benefiting from the fact of what they were able to sacrifice for my behalf. And so it is the idea that we live for significance. And so here is Paul in Romans chapter 12, in verse 1, he says, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Can you say living? living. The idea that we are a living sacrifice, that means that we're not dead. Amen? That means that there's still some things that God wants to do in our life, that God is calling us to do in our life, that God says that we should want to do in our life. Because when we recognize this, that God is, is, is showing to us that his son demonstrated a life as a living sacrifice. And this is what we have to remember. And that is that a living sacrifice recognizes that that is a long-term commitment. And a long-term commitment will require a lifetime to complete. I'll say it again. A long-term commitment will require a lifetime to complete. It's one thing to say, I do, and I will. It's another thing to walk that thing out. It's one thing to say, yes, I'm raising my hand, I'm going to do this, but then it will require for the rest of our life, if we're serious, and if we say that it is a long-term commitment, that we understand that it may simply take a lifetime in order for us to be able to fulfill the promise that we've made, either to that witness or even the promise that we have made to God. And so our lives are called that when we say, Lord, I'm going to live for you, we're saying, Lord, I'm going to live for you till I take my final breath. It is a lifetime commitment. It's not live perfectly, but it's live purposely. Amen? And so we live in this way so that we can make sure that when, when, when we come before God, we can hear God say, well done. Not because we did it perfectly, but because we live purposely. We live purposely because we understand the reason for why we exist. And so when we understand the living sacrifice, it means that we're, we're living in the now, and that living in the now helps us understand that, that there will be costs that come with that. And that cost is understanding that, that as we live a life of significance, that there is a difference between cost and price. And it's been said this way, that the cost of sacrifice will always be greater than the price of success. I'll say it again. The cost of sacrifice will be greater than the price of success because there is a difference between cost 
and price. Cost means this, is that you're going to be required in some way to be able to give of your energy and your time and at times be inconvenienced. Um, that these are the intangibles that you did not even consider. Price simply just says, tell me what the bottom line is. In our lives, he calls us to be able to be engaged for a cost. That's what Jesus said to them, to his disciples. He said, you must understand that there is a cost to following me. And so when we recognize this, we understand that, that God calls for us to have a life that is willing to say, Lord, I'm responding. I know that the cost is high, but because you saved me and you came for me, I'm willing to lay down and lay aside all of my reservations just so that I can make sure that I am reflecting your values in my life. And that is a value that says that I'm going to make sure that there's going to be significance in my life. Also, we talk about a servant leader. We understand this, that when it comes to a servant leader, that significance embraces sacrifice. That significance embraces not simply sacrifice, but selflessness. Because when we talk about selflessness, there's no way that you can talk about um, the idea of talking about sacrifice or serving without some sense of selflessness. See, Isthmus said, said this way, you can give, without love, but it's hard to love without giving. So, there, so the idea is that when, we, that when we're loving, we understand that there's a giving component and there's a sacrifice to this. And so when we consider this, it's impossible to, to sacrifice for success and not be selfless. I'll say it again. It's possible to sacrifice for success and not be selfless. A person can be pursuing a position, power, prestige, or something in their life and yet lose their family because that, that was what they were aiming for. But significance always recognizes that, that we're going to put some things aside and that sacrifice is interwoven with this idea of love. Because as you all are saying here at Shepherd's Gate, that idea of value means that we add value to people's lives. And so significance recognizes that we are called to add value to people's lives. And that's what we see here in John chapter 15. In John 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples, knowing what's waiting for him. And he looks at them and says, no greater love is this, that a person laid down his life for a friend. That's significance. That's the idea of realizing that I'm not living for myself, but I'm living for the fact that God has placed me here on purpose to make a difference in another person's life. And so when we talk about sacrifice, a sacrifice, and you know this, a sacrifice is not comfortable. Amen? It's like, just like in Lent season. You don't give up asparagus if you hate asparagus. <laughs> That's not a sacrifice. Amen? You give up something that you really want. And so the idea that sacrifice requires that we give up something that we really desire in our life, and this idea that we, we, we love in that way. We love to the point that we understand that we love people who may not necessarily think the way that we think or love the way that we want them to love. Love requires that we understand that it means that we may not always agree with the other person. And sometimes there may be tension between uh, us and another person. And sometimes the people that God calls us to love, they're not even in our family. We barely even know them. But love calls us to look beyond ourselves because somewhere I read, I don't know, maybe, but somewhere I read, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And the world wasn't rocking with Jesus. 
but he was willing to die for a world because the world didn't know who he was really and what he, what he would mean for their life. And sometimes there would be people in and around our lives that may not really get us, but that's all right. We're hoping that if we love enough that the love will draw them to him. And so love invites us to understand this. And so love helps us understand that we identify love when it does this. It will show up so that our reservations and our, and our fears and our excuses will die so that Christ can rise up in our life. It means this, that we will go the extra mile. We're willing to be inconvenienced. We will do something for the sake of a greater good. And we love not because it's politically correct, not because it's something that's popular, but we love because it is part of our purpose. Because somewhere it says, if, 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 if Christ is in us, we are a new creation. And since we are a new creation, then we're going to love the way God has called us to love, even when it makes us feel uncomfortable in our life. And understand that there will be tension inside of us because we see circumstances and they don't line up with, way, with the way that we would want to see them uh, coming to pass in our life. And yet Jesus is the living example who demonstrates how he was committed even though the circumstances weren't favorable to him. He was still willing to die, even though he knew Judas was going to betray him that day. He was still willing to die, even though James and John went ahead and they, 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 they went slump when they should have been on prayer watch. Even Jesus still died, even though the other disciples would desert him in the garden. And Jesus still was willing to die, even when Peter was willing to go ahead and then disrespect and deny him in front of witnesses. Love looks beyond our circumstances and understands that God calls us to be faithful, even when the circumstances are not in our favor. And so love shows up. Can you say show up? Love shows up and keeps this appointment. Jesus kept his appointment with Calvary, even though things were not right. He was willing to go the extra mile because he saw your face and he saw your family. And he knew that if he did not die, where we would be. And so he was willing to go beyond the pain and the strife and the turmoil and the betrayal and the loss just because he saw your face and said, I've got to save him. And so he helps us to know that he cares for us in a great way. And so love shows up when, when it counts, when people don't even understand it. Uh, Albert Einstein said it this way. He said, everything that can be counted doesn't necessarily count. And everything that can be counted isn't always counted. I'll say it again. Everything that can be counted does not necessarily count. And everything that counts cannot necessarily be counted. I was sharing in the early service and said it this way, and I said, the longer I am a parent, the more I recognize what that means. <laughs> Not because, no disrespect to the children, but, no, but the whole idea is that when I was a child, I didn't recognize the cost of what my parents were willing to do for me. I didn't, I didn't understand what it, all the things that they were doing that really counted in my life. And so when I look back, like all of us, we have people that have been in our lives and parents that have been in our lives and if you have parents that sacrificed for you, you understand that they went over and above. And so when I think about my parents who were raised in Alabama and uh, as they were growing up in Alabama, yes, they went to school and yet they often worked long hours uh, picking cotton. And while they were out there, you know, they, it, it was difficult. Sometimes there was disparity. And yet what was able, they were still able to go off to college 
and then go off to graduate school. And then because of that, they were sacrificed. They were able to pay for not only myself, but to pay for uh, my brother's education all the way through high school, and even for me through college, all the way through private schools. And, and yet, they could not have imagined the things that because of their sacrifice, how that would have benefited benefit me. They never experienced being in a helicopter in the military banking over Lake Michigan. They never stood on the deck of, a, of, a, of, a, of an aircraft carrier. They never got a chance to fly to California or to other parts of the world courtesy of the American government. They never did it, but what they did do, that it wasn't about dollars, it was about a decision that they said they were gonna make sure that it counted so that I would be able to experience some things that they would have never experienced in their life. And so it helps me to understand that oftentimes we look at our lives and we recognize this, that sometimes everything that counts cannot necessarily be counted. And yet because of that, it helps me to understand how I make sure that I need to always be thinking, how do I look and make sure that it is a life that is selfless, like all of us, we've seen other people that have inspired us. And I like what it once said, it said, we need to aspire to inspire before we expire. And so we need to be making sure that how we live is going to be able to make such a tremendous impact in other people's lives. And then servant leaders prove that significance makes an impact. Significance makes an impact. Uh, significance is not about how important you get. It's not about how many people know you, how many people you got on speed dial that are people of influence, Amen. Significance is about the fact that, that we have affected someone in a very powerful and positive way. It's about the idea that when, one, that when one desires to make an impact, that there is a vision that they have in mind. And these are two things that we need to understand about a vision. And the vision, first of all, a vision is always in process. It's always in process. That means it this way, that, that even though it's not manifesting completely, you're taking every day, and as you're walking toward it, somehow it's coming to fruition. It's like people say, and I hear people say to me at times, I'm living the dream. And I look at them, and I'm like, they don't look like they're living the dream. They look, kinda, they look a little depressed, but they get up every morning. They, you know, they go ahead, and they decide, this is what I'm going to do, because they have the hopes of seeing something come to fruition that is still has not been manifest in their life. And then the next thing about a vision is that it will either require uh, a lifetime or all of your life. It will require a lifetime or all of your life. And that's what you see in the life of Jesus. It wasn't a lifetime. It required his life. And so when we notice it says in John chapter 8, Jesus says it, the way, says it this way. So if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. When he said that, he had a vision of seeing you set free. He said, I, need to, I, I have a vision that you're going to be set free from idea of fear and shame and humiliation, fear from the idea, set free from fear of wanting to take chances and opportunities. He said, I want to set you free from sin and accusation and the power of the enemy. I want to set you free so that your, heart, that your mind is set on things above and not on things below. Set you free so that you can still dream, believe, vision, and know that God can still answer prayers in your life. Set you free so that even when other people are saying, it's not going to happen for you, you can say, guess what? I serve a God that can do everything but fail. And since God 
God said it, I believe it. Set me free from other people's opinion that says to me, God is able. He went to the cross to set us free. So that when the devil shows up in the nighttime, you say, uh, you know what, you got the wrong address. Because I'm not giving you the time, I'm not giving you the energy, and you're, nev- you're definitely not going to take any more of my time from me. And so he said, I need to set some people free because there are forces at work working in order to sabotage and to sideline us and keeping us from being able to be able to live a life of significance in our life. And so he set us free. Free so we could be able to love, to live, to forgive, to show, to help, to encourage, to bless people so that they might know that they have been in the presence of God because God has been in our life. And so when he was dying, when he decided to die, he said, this is going to be bigger than the nation of Israel. This is going to be bigger than just this place geographically known as Israel. He said, this is bigger, get this, bigger than the American vision, bigger than an economic vision, bigger than a political vision. This is a vision that's going to radical change people's lives, individuals, societies, and civilization. There has been no other kingdom, there has, been, there has not been an empire that has been able to do what Jesus has done. And that is to sustain for 2,000 years a global mission that believes that Jesus Christ can set people free. Many people, he doesn't ever have a standing army, but millions of people have joined up for service. That's just how bad he is, that the word is still able to draw people to him, that even though they put him in the grave, he still got up, that before the Terminator said, I'll be back, he had already said it. Everybody else is just a wannabe. Everybody else is just trying to go ahead and repeat what he already did in his life. And so he comes in order to help us to know that he has come to make an impact. There are four chaplains, um, and they are called the immortal chaplains. And these chaplains are known historically because uh, they served in World War II. And in World War II, they were on this ship called the USS Dorchester. Um, And as this this ship was able to uh, accommodate over 900 people. And so on February 3rd, 1943, this ship uh, was attacked by a German submarine. And what happened was that you can imagine that there was a lot of mayhem and people were running around and there was panicking. And these four chaplains, these four chaplains were on board and, they were, and um, these four chaplains uh, were there. Their names were George Fox, Alexander Good, uh, Clark Poling, and John Washington. And while they were there, as the ship was going down, they said that they were there helping people get into lifeboats. And they were giving, making sure that the people had their supplies. And then they decided that they were, they decided what they all did was that they all gave their life vests to people in order that they might be able to survive. And we are told this, that when they looked back and they, they, they stayed on the ship and, it said, and, they, and they looped arms together and they began to, to be able to start praying with one another and singing hymns and encouraging one another. And that was the last image that the people saw as they went down with the ship. It was a powerful picture, but more than a picture, it was an impact because once people got back, there were all these ceremonies and all of these memorials, but the greatest impact that was this is that that the children, the grandchildren, and the great-grandchildren of those people that they helped get on board 
uh, can celebrate the fact that these people, these four chaplains are willing to go ahead and go ahead and give up their life for the sake of others. They made an impact. And so God calls us today to be able to say, we don't necessarily have to die like that. We don't have to die something in a, in a heroic way. Sometimes God says, can you just show that you can be compassionate? Can you go the next step? Can you be willing to be inconvenienced? Can you understand that sometimes you need to bear up under some things just so that you can be a blessing to someone else? I love what the song says that I close. For the sake of the world, burn a fire in me. For the sake of the world, burn a fire in me. One preacher used to say this. He said that I used to, I want to I be set on fire so the whole world can come and watch me burn. <laughs> Wouldn't that be powerful if we said, God, set a fire in me so that I could burn, so that people could see you in me. He calls us to make an impact. He calls us to change the world. He calls us to believe that we are here to live on purpose so that when people look back, they tell the story that you made a difference. You made a difference. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that you sent your son in order to show us what love is. And we thank you, Lord God, that you are madly in love with us and that you still have plans to prosper us, plans to give us a hope and a future, we ask you that, Lord God, we will continue living out a legacy of service and sacrifice, whereby we will decrease in order that you increase, all for the sake of your glory, and all for the sake of drawing people to you. So use us this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.